Aloha. I am Stephanie Colvin and I'm your host at LDS Real People Real Lives Podcast. And this week's episode is on death, sorrow, life, and hope. And for those of you who are new, welcome. What is this thing that men call death, this quiet passing in the night? Tis not the end, but genesis of better worlds and greater light. O God, touch thou my aching heart and calm my troubled, haunting fears. Let hope and faith, transcendent pure, give strength and peace beyond my tears. There is no death, but only change with recompense for victory won. The gift of him who loved all men the Son of God, the Holy One. I changed the structure and how I uh, do my episodes. When I feel spiritually impressed, I take the time to record. So if you hear kind of an inconsistency in the fluidity of the episode, that um, could be the reason why. Um, like I said, you know, the whole point of the podcast and why I started this podcast was to help those who are within the church that uh, are struggling and how we can use the uh, gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives to reconcile the very hard and difficult trials and opposition that we face during this experience here on earth to prove ourselves, um, to our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ to return home. And, uh, yeah. So this week I wanted to cover the topic of death. I've been, I don't know, just every day it's been presented to me in some way, um, in the last nine days, as a matter of fact. And, uh, I just felt spiritually impressed to, to talk about it. Um, In my life, I experienced death from a young age, of course, through losing grandparents. Um, But as I grew older, I continued to experience death in my life. And I think because of those experiences, um, and also having the gospel in my life, being taught, you know, where we go after this experience on earth, has really helped me to put death in its proper perspective, I think, because I'm so used to it. Um, sometimes I may lack a certain amount of compassion or empathy. Um, it's just like anybody else who maybe works in a morgue or an ER department. You just kind of get desensitized to it because you've had to deal with it often in your life. Um, of course, I haven't had to deal with it daily, but often enough to come to terms with it and just truly understand that death is a part of this life. Uh, we're born, we live, and we die. And um, I don't ever mean to come across as being cold or uh, not understanding or cruel, but um, I think it's actually a blessing to understand the role of death that it plays in our lives and why we must die, why we must go through those experiences, especially after sharing in last week's episode all that my father-in-law is going through. So I'll just start at the beginning. Um, my first experience with death was my 
dad's dad and I was young I believe I was uh, gosh probably seven or eight years old and um, I do remember him I have fond memories of him he was very outgoing and loving and very smiley I do remember that he was uh, an alcoholic and that when he drank he became more lovey-dovey and he usually used my middle name um, whenever he wanted me or referred to me and that's when I really knew he was drinking but you know putting that to the side I just have good fond memories of him um, I know he was an imperfect person and uh, I don't believe that he was LDS I think he accepted the gospel literally on his deathbed um, and that's all I remember of him and then my mom's dad had passed away from, I want to say stomach cancer, um, but it was some form of cancer. And again, I was young, but I was older than seven or eight. I want to say I was probably, I don't know, about nine or 10. And he was a quiet man, a very quiet man coming from a generation of hardworking men. He worked in the oil fields as an engineer. And uh, my mom grew up in a small, very small farm town um, that actually doesn't exist on the map anymore here in California, in Central California. And uh, she had quite an interesting upbringing because her dad did work in the oil field and, and worked as an engineer. And um, she has quite the story. What I think is so cool is that my grandmother my my mom's mom had the wherewithal to write the story of my grandfather so before she passed we were able to have that story and uh, to read it is just awesome and also just the distinct differences between generations and the context of that time um i was not close to my grandfather's but i was very close to my dad's mom my grandmother um, we called her Grandma Lemon, and uh, her first name was Florence. I think that that name really describes her because she was always so beautiful. Um, my dad's side is the uh, Hawaiian side, but, you know, on the islands, eventually the, um, the English Europeans came over, and uh, so that's how that bloodline became mixed. And um, my dad is also mixed, so of course I'm mixed as well. Now she, I was very close to, and uh, she's the one that actually took care of me after school. They moved from Hawaii to California when I was born, so I have two older brothers. And um, I came six years after my second older brother, so they waited quite some time while my mom and dad were having children to come. Um, but I'm the only girl, so they came when I was born or shortly thereafter, and um, she's always been a very huge part of my life. She uh, was there to play games with me. She always got down on my level. That's the one thing I remember the most about her is that she would play games with me and do things with me and teach me and, you know, take me out into her her garden, and she was always pruning her roses and um, she just loved to work out in the yard. Um, she also took care of my uncle, who's my dad's older brother, who was schizophrenic. 
and he was in the home. <clears throat> so I was raised around him, which I think has given me such a huge understanding and compassion and empathy for uh, mental illness, which has been really good. It's been a value to me in my life. Um, but my grandma, she spoiled me. She Anything I wanted, she got me. Um, she was just... She's the one that really took the time to teach me about genealogy, to teach me about the Hawaiiana side of our family, and to instill that in me so that somebody at least had that in our family. Out of the five kids, I was the only one that really kind of gravitated to that side of the family, and I learned so much. So we, we visited the islands pretty regularly together, and uh, she taught me a lot. Most importantly, she taught me how to be a grandmother myself. Um, how to be loving and to get down to their level and be silly and have fun and to enjoy every moment and minute with my grandchild. And I will forever be grateful for her because I was a weird kid because of my experiences and the way that I grew up. Um, I had some really weird things going on in my mind and um, she just loved me. She made me feel loved wholly, fully, and completely and uh, she ended up injuring herself when she went to go save my younger brother Aaron who was about four years old maybe three years old he had fallen into this gross icky pond when we were playing um, miniature golf and she jumped in after him to get him and it was slippery and she hurt her knee and she just was never the same after that she declined was uh needing a wheelchair and it just she just her health continued to decline after that and it was kind of sad because um, eventually she needed a lot more care than we could give her at the home uh, our family home and so she was put into a um, like a skilled nursing facility or a uh, like a long-term care residence and that's where she passed away and I know she did not like being there she was so unhappy there and miserable and it was really hard to watch. Um, I was a teenager at the time, and I had my uh, driver's license so I could go out and visit her because she was placed in a home about 30 minutes from our house. And um, I just knew she wasn't happy, but there was nothing I could do. She needed so much help, and there was just nothing I could do. Before she was placed into the home, I did have the pleasure of helping to take care of her, um, to feed her, to help her with her bills, to run errands. Um even to bathe her and change her diaper. Uh, I look back on that experience and um, I didn't have the best attitude about it, but at some point I did understand that uh, this was a time that I had with her before she passed over that was going to be very invaluable to me and to be able to do this for her. Um, I wish I was more mature to soak it up and enjoy the time more. Um, but towards the end there, she kind of got, uh, a little bit crotchety and, uh, very impatient and kind of mean, which is understandable given her situation. And, uh, it was just really hard. And when she passed, my parents were out of town. So, um, I had to go to the home and, uh, see over her and prepare her for the, uh, burial and, uh, had the experience with her and her body and knowing that she was there in spirit with me as I was looking over her and just 
going through my feelings and emotions about the experience. Um, but my parents finally came back home and were able to take over. And that was such an utter relief. But uh, I was grateful for the opportunity that I had to spend that personal time with her. And it truly was one-on-one. And that's how I've always felt about my grandma is that she was mine. And um, I love her. And I look forward to seeing her again. Um, my mom's mom lived longer. And she ended up having Alzheimer's and dementia. She traveled a lot with my grandfather and they lived out of town. They lived closer to my mom's sisters. Um, So we were not very close. I think because of the turmoil in our home while we were growing up with the abuse and the things that were going on with my parents, um, my grandma had a very hard uh, opinion and feelings towards my dad. And, um, unfortunately when I was about 12 or 13 and I was camping with them, she had shared those opinions with me and I was very hurt and upset. Um, and I held it against her for quite some time. Um, she told me things I did not know. And, uh, looking back on that hindsight being 2020, it made sense with my experience with my father and his temper, but, um, I guess I didn't um, have a close enough relationship with her to feel like when she what she was telling me that I could trust her. And so she became someone that I didn't trust and I did not like to be around her, which is a shame because um, I was so young and I was too mature to understand what was going on. And what she was doing was she was experiencing the feelings and emotions of a mom who loved her daughter that was in a relationship that was abusive. And um, my grandma was a spitfire. And um, it was pretty much in line with her personality to, you know, to do and say the things that she said. You know, that was a generation where they didn't beat around the bush. They were very up front and forward. Uh, There was no time to beat around the bush. There was no time to be passive aggressive about things. And um, so we had a hard relationship until uh, I want to say I graduated high school. And uh, I went to Sacramento to go visit her with my boyfriend. And, um, you know, again, never felt super close to her. But at some point when she um, had early onset of Alzheimer's, she lived with my aunt for some time. And then she ended up coming to my parents' home in Central California. And uh, that's where I really began to have some sort of relationship with her, even though she didn't really remember things. Um, But I did try to do right by her, especially when she became too much for my parents. She ended up uh, stepping off a step in the home and falling and breaking her hip. And after that, she just was never the same. And she, too, had to be uh, put into a facility for the care that she needed. And uh, we were always worried about the care that she was receiving there. Um, And so we checked in a lot. We spent a lot of time there. And uh, I know my mom took very good care of her mom. She was, my mom is an excellent nurse and doctor without the credentials. It's just experience. And then she passed away. Even with the grandparents I wasn't close to, um, I had feelings about being at their funeral and them being gone and uh, the changes that were happening. And they were all LDS funerals. And so, you know, LDS funerals, we celebrate life. And uh, they were good experiences for me. 
I think the death experiences that I had that really hit home was uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, there was a friend of mine who was more, we were friends because we were in the same class, but we didn't talk a lot. Um, but he ended up committing suicide on campus and that was hard. Um, like I said, we weren't super close, but it was really hard being 14, 15 years old and having someone who you saw every day all of a sudden gone and to take his life the way that he did on campus was really, really hard. It was hard for a lot of the students on campus. And that was in, I want to say, like the late 80s that happened. My junior year, I had a date to the, um, I want to say it was the prom. And uh, I was very excited to go. My friends and I were shopping for dresses and a week before we were supposed to go, um, I had showed up to school and my friends had come to me and said, did you hear what happened to so-and-so and come to find out he had killed himself? And uh, that was a shock. I was, it's so interesting because being a junior, I was probably a 16 years old and I thought it was me. <laughs> that he killed himself, which hindsight again being 2020, that was so ridiculous. It wasn't me. Um, but it was hard. It was really hard to reconcile the fact that he took his life a week before we were supposed to go to prom. It was a really hard time in my life. Um, how to handle that. And as you know, if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, I was already going through so much at that time, just trying to um, somehow deal with what's, you know, happened and transpired in my own life with the abuse and the sexual abuse that, um, that just really just spun me out of control. And it was really hard. Even knowing where they're going and understanding fully the release that they were having from the physical body. That was a really hard one for me. And it was, I was filled with a lot of sadness. Um, and just, I didn't understand. I did not understand why, because I had gone through so much and yet was not wanting to kill myself per se. I know that I had thought about it, but um, I would never do it because we were taught in the gospel that, you know, it's murder. And um, I was just very adamant that I was not going to do something to that degree that was going to, you know, hurt my Father in Heaven and my Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, that was my junior year. And then my senior year... There was a girl that I had gone to school with since elementary school who uh, was very popular. I had her in classes and I knew her and we had mutual friends and that sort of thing. Um, and I went to a school that was kind of a richy rich school, but we weren't rich. We just lived in that neighborhood because we needed a house big enough to fit the family. Um, my friends had cars and things when they turned 16. That was not my story. Um, and she had gone to a party on one of the weekends and we always partied out in the vineyards because central california is the ag agriculture 
portion of the state and she went to go leave and she was drunk and uh, I was not there at this party and when she took off you drive about I don't know three quarters of a mile and then there's a sharp turn to the right and if you don't make that sharp turn um, you fly off this it's a somewhat of a cliff maybe 50 feet but she was going so fast that when she flew off of it um, she died and that was shocking absolutely shocking she had her whole future out of her um, you know we all expected her to do well after high school and it was just super shocking and then um, when I was 19 my brother who was 25 he had neurofibromatosis which are it's a disease where tumors grow on nerve endings in your body and he had that his whole life there's a small percentage of these patients that turn cancerous and he was one of that small percentage and um, he ended up dying in 1992 in May of 1992 and uh, that's when I was pregnant with my first son and um, that one was really hard because uh, in his patriarchal blessing it said that he would get married and have children I held fast to that in my very embryonic and mature understanding of spiritual matters and so when he died I was very caught off guard and shocked by that because he hadn't gotten married or had children and um, I really believed in his patriarchal blessing that nothing would happen to him as far as a permanent death. And uh, I remember I went home and I was about four and a half months pregnant and I screamed at God with so much anger and hate I was so devastated we were there at the hospital when he passed I saw his pupils dilate um, it was really really hard to have him pass he had just gotten back from his mission and was creating a life for himself and for the first time in my life we were becoming very close and so to have that happen was just devastating so I got mad at God and I let him have it and that's when I turned my back on the gospel and everything that had to do with Heavenly Father it was really really hard and I held on to that hate and that anger for a few years at least well into my late 20s and boy did it eat me up it really it really ate me up and it changed me it was a horrible experience and I felt a lot of anger on the behalf of my parents who had to go through losing a child a child that they had given up so much for because of all of his issues and his problems and his learning disabilities so it was just heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking
gathering resources and doing research for this particular episode on death, sorrow, life, and hope, I came across a uh, quote by Brent L. Topp, who is an LDS author. He has written written a number of books on uh, near-death experiences, which are very interesting to read. Um, I encourage you to learn and read more about life after death. I know that um, Joseph Smith, our beloved prophet for the restoration, encouraged us to learn and to come to know more. And here's a quote, um, actually, that I'm going to start with Joseph Smith. And he says, all men know that they must die. And it is important that we should understand the reasons and the causes of our exposure to the vicissitudes of life and of death and the designs and purposes of God in our coming into the world, our sufferings here and our departure hence. It is but reasonable to suppose that God would reveal something in reference to the matter, and it is a subject we ought to study more than any other. We ought to study it day and night, for the world is ignorant in reference to their true condition and relation. If we have any claim on our Heavenly Father for anything, it is for knowledge on this important subject. And I totally agree. That is so true. Heavenly Father does not want us to fear death. He wants us to understand it so that we have comfort and hope and look forward to the transition from this life to the next. Uh, Brother Brent Top said, I rejoice with you in knowing that there is indeed strength and peace beyond our tears. I rejoice in and bear testimony of the divinity of Jesus Christ. I know he lives. I know that because he lives, there is no death, but only change and better worlds and greater light. Isn't that so true? I have read a number of uh, Brother Top's books, and I've read other books from people who are in and out of the church that have talked about near-death experiences and all of it's very comforting. All of it's very similar. Um, and I think that just proves further that what we're taught about the afterlife, about the transition from here to um, spirit paradise or prison, is comforting. I've heard it described as the spirit being peeled off your body like you would peel off a piece of tape from a, a table. Um that it's not painful, that it can be very releasing because our body is a body of clay and it's imperfect and it's fallen and it's so heavy. And we do go through a lot of sorrow and suffering and trials and emotions and mental illness and challenges. And we go through a lot in these bodies. And when the spirit is released of the body, although we look forward to the day of resurrection where our body and spirit can be reunited in perfection. It will be a release from the fallen nature of the body that we have been provided here on earth. The prophet Joseph Smith also taught that the Lord in his wisdom had implanted the fear of death in every person that we might cling to life and thus accomplish the designs of our creator. This is all a part of the plan of salvation which is also known as the plan of happiness. And I am grateful that with his omniscience and wisdom that he has placed within me the desire to live and to do everything within my power 
to live and not die, that I can have this experience here on earth and grow and learn to become like our Father in heaven and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Joseph Smith also said, What have we to console us in relation to the dead? We have reason to have the greatest hope and consolation for our dead of any people on the earth. And that's so true. We have the greatest amount of information about what the afterlife will entail. You know, even when you talk about spirit prison, we use our mortal translation of that and what we know about prison here. But Heavenly Father loves his children. And when he separates them from paradise to prison, do we really believe that spirit prison is like the prison here on earth? I don't believe it's anything to fear. Um, There's going to be all kinds of people that go there. People that still have to be taught the gospel. People that will be given another chance to repent and redeem themselves through Jesus Christ and the infinite atonement that he's given us. Uh, President Nelson gave a talk quite some time ago when he was an apostle. And he talks about death. He says the only way to take sorrow out of death is to take love out of life. And isn't that so true? He also says, irrespective of age, we mourn for those loved and lost. That mourning is one of the deepest expressions of pure love. It is a natural response in complete accord with divine commandment. Thou shalt live together in love, insomuch that thou shalt weep for the loss of them that die. It goes hand in hand. We must have the good with the bad, the positive and the negative. We must have opposition. Otherwise, we cannot become like God. We can survive these times in our lives when we go through these experiences. I mean, I even have great sorrow when I hear in the news of, you know, in Chicago... Last weekend, they had so many murders. It seems like every weekend, Chicago has a lot of murders. Um, When you hear about children who are killed because they were hunted or sought after or abused in some way or fashion, um, it just breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. But I think that that understanding comes with time, maturity, and spiritual education. When you do the Lord's work and you're in service of the Lord, He helps you to feel the love for your brothers and sisters. And He opens your mind to the full reality that we are all family here on earth. And so once you start to really have those experiences and understand in the core of your being the truthfulness of that teaching, you're always going to feel some sort of sorrow and pain for those who suffer and die. Um, I love this verse in Philippians. It's about the eternal perspective that provides us with peace. And we must always have our focus on the eternal perspective. I find that if I forget and I just focus on the here and now, it just leaves me feeling so hopeless and desperate. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We must believe in the words of God. 
which are found in the scriptures and what he's teaching us, what he wants us to know, what he wants us to believe with utter conviction and have faith. President Nelson said that the writer of Ecclesiastes said to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Think of the alternative if all 69 billion people who have ever lived on this earth were still here. Imagine the traffic jam and we could only own virtually nothing and scarcely make any responsible decisions. We would be like ants on top of each other. And death is a part of the plan of happiness. The scriptures teach that death is essential to happiness. Now behold, it was not expedient that man should be reclaimed from this temporal death, for that would destroy the great plan of happiness. And that is Alma chapter 42 verse 8. Our perspective, of course, on death and the afterlife is limited. But it would be enlarged if we could witness the reunion on the other side of the veil when the doors of death opened to those returning home. And such was the vision of the psalmist who wrote, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Imagine, you know, if you have an experience of being a parent or having a parental or guardian role over someone and they've been gone and they return home, how much happiness and joy and excitement that you feel. Now, imagine God, our Father in heaven, how he feels when we return home. He looks forward to our return. So should we fear death? I don't think so. And I believe that it's something that the Lord truly just wants us to understand so that we don't, we're not scared. I'm not saying to embrace it, but at least with the understanding, we can have hope and know that the crossover is just another step in this plan of life and salvation and happiness. Because we know that mortality is temporary and it's terminated by the doors of death. And then, of course, a lot of questions come. You know, where's my loved one now? What happens after death? A lot of questions may not be fully answered with the available knowledge, but there is a lot that is known and given to us. And that's what happens when you find yourself squarely a member of the Church of Jesus Christ here on earth in his kingdom. So paradise is the first station in post-mortal life, and it is named paradise. And Alma had wrote, Concerning the state of the soul between death and the resurrection, behold, it has been made known unto me that the spirits of all men, as soon as they are departed from this mortal body, are taken home to that God who gave them life. The spirits of those who are righteous are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest and a state of peace. And that's Alma chapter 40, verses 11 through 12. We have a lot to look forward to with the resurrection and immortality. Um, Death, of course, is not permanent in this plan of life and salvation and happiness. The grip of physical death is temporary, and it began, of course, with the fall of Adam 
And thankfully it ended with the atonement, the infinite atonement of Jesus Christ. The waiting period in paradise is temporary too, and it ends with the resurrection. And from the Book of Mormon we learn, paradise of God must deliver up the spirits of the righteous, and the grave deliver up the body of the righteous. And the spirit and the body is restored to itself again, and all men become incorruptible and immortal, and they are living souls. We truly have so much to look forward to. Then there is judgment. Our resurrection will not be an end, but it's going to be a new beginning. It will prepare us for judgment by the Lord, who said in 3 Nephi, chapter 27, verse 14, As I have been lifted up upon the cross by men, even so should men be lifted up by the Father to stand before me, to be judged of their works. Even before we approach that threshold of the eternal court of justice, we know who will personally preside, and that gives me so much comfort. The keeper of the gate is the Holy One of Israel, and he employeth no servant there. And there is none other way, save it be, by the gate, for he cannot be deceived. For the Lord God is his name, and whoso knocketh to him will he open. When we return home, we are going to reunite with our family ties. We have loving relationships that continue beyond the doors of death and judgment. Family ties endure because of ceilings in the temple, and their importance cannot be overstated. And this work goes on in heaven, and there's going to be a millennia of time where we are going to be busy at work getting this work done. President Nelson says that he remembers vividly an experience that he had as a passenger in a small two-propeller airplane. One of its engines suddenly burst open and caught on fire, and the propeller of the flaming engine was starkly stilled. They plummeted in a steep spiral dive toward the earth, and he says, I expected to die. Some of the passengers screamed in hysterical panic, but miraculously the precipitous dive extinguished the flames. Then by starting up the other engine, the pilot was able to stabilize the plane and bring us down safely, he says. Throughout that ordeal, though I knew death was coming, my paramount feeling was that I was not afraid to die. I remember a sense of returning home to meet ancestors for whom I had done temple work. I remember my deep sense of gratitude that my sweetheart and I had been sealed eternally to each other and to our children, born and reared in the covenant. I realized that our marriage in the temple was my most important accomplishment. Honors bestowed upon me by men could not approach the inner peace provided by the very ceilings performed in the house of the Lord. That harrowing experience consumed but a few minutes, yet my entire life flashed before my mind. Having had such rapid recall when facing death, I do not doubt the scriptural promise of perfect remembrance when facing judgment. So we have eternal life, and after judgment comes the possibility of eternal life, the kind of life that our Heavenly Father lives. His celestial realm has been compared with the glory of the sun. It's available to all who prepare for it, and the requirements of which have been clearly revealed. You must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, 
and endure to the end. Behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. This is not confusing. It is not complex. It's very simple and straightforward. And he set it up this way so that we can all come home and remember Heavenly Father and Christ who are God's work for our good day in and day out. That is all that they're doing. So we have time to prepare. We have unfinished business here. Um, Make sure that your perpetual procrastination yields to perceptive preparation. We must be ready. We must spend this time to be kinder, to be more compassionate, quicker to think and slower to scold, to be more generous in sharing and more gracious in caring. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. We need not look upon death as the enemy. With full understanding and preparation, faith supplants fear. Hope displaces despair. And the Lord said, Fear not even unto death, for in this world your joy is not full, but in me your joy is full. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, never let it be afraid. There's so many teachings that teach us not to be afraid, to be fearless, to trust the Lord, to trust God, to look forward to our future with hope, even in this crazy, crazy world that seems like it's just filled with Gadiant and robbers and we're just consumed by all of their secret combinations and wickedness, but we're not. Where we focus and where our thoughts are is going to determine where our hearts lay and the comfort that we receive from the gospel of Jesus Christ. As found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, His kingdom here on earth. I truly believe that when we go through experiences like what I'm going through right now with my father-in-law, I went through about 10 years with my aunt who died from cancer and was on oxygen, is that there are a lot of learning lessons in the suffering of those around us who are suffering to death. There are lessons in education that is acquired that will bless the lives of those around us and ourselves as we continue to live here on earth. For his plan is perfect. Every experience, everything we go through is always going to be consecrated for our good and for the good around us. And I would just like to leave you with this. When hardship heaps its heavy load upon us, good may yet be gleaned. And Shakespeare wrote, Sweet are the uses of adversity, which like the toad, ugly and venomous, wears yet a precious jewel, in his head. The Lord's expression is even more explicit. After much tribulation come the blessings. And I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys are a wonderful audience. I love you so very much. And my greatest hope is that for those who are suffering because of others who you care about that are suffering in your life, 
And if you've experienced death recently, if you're having a hard time overcoming a death experience, there's so much hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. All you must do is give your will to the Lord. And I hope that by sharing my experiences and also sharing the teachings of our beloved prophets and apostles and our Savior Jesus Christ, that you have been given some sort of direction, some sort of hope and comfort and peace with your situation. Please have a wonderful week. I am out of town next week, so I will not be doing an episode. However, I will probably post an episode of a prior interview um, because I just believe that uh, there's, I recognize that there's quite a few of you who, who constantly come back and listen to the podcast, especially within the first 24 hours. And I promise I will not leave you. Even when I go on vacation, I will do what I can to be spiritually guided to leave with you an episode that's going to be uplifting and edifying for that's all I'm looking to do is to uplift, edify, and help you keep the faith in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and in your path home. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. God bless and much love.